detained after an hours-long search for the attacker in a South Carolina shooting left five people, including a prominent doctor, dead. Wall Street Dow features down three points. NASDAQ features up 95. This is SRN News. W262CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. No, God does not grant the sheep the liberty to jump out of his hands. It would disgrace a human shepherd. A human shepherd to say that he allowed his sheep to stray away from him. How much more does it not disgrace the good shepherd to say that he allows his sheep to go away from him? The Bible often uses the image of shepherds and sheep to portray the relationship between Christians and their spiritual leaders or with the Lord. Most people these days don't know much about shepherding, so maybe you're wondering why pastors haven't devised some other kind of illustration. Well, the reason is simple. There is no other illustration that conveys the relationship so completely and accurately. In Bible times, sheep were as common as cell phones are today. Actually, more common than cell phones, I think. And more precious than cell phones, which is saying a lot considering how much attention some people devote to their devices. While it's inconvenient and expensive to lose a phone for a shepherd to have lost a sheep, that was a catastrophe and a major embarrassment. Hi, you're listening to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is the radio adaptation of Pastor Steve's teaching ministry at Lakeside. Today's Bible class is part of a series of lessons called Safety for the Sheep. These lessons come from the early 1980s, so if the audio sounds a little scratchy, I hope you won't be distracted because I think we found some very special material here. Dr. Lynn Anderson in They Smell Like Sheep told about riding a tour bus in Palestine. They were riding through the pastures as the tour guide explained the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. He told how the shepherd feeds them, treats them gently, and cares for them. He doesn't drive them, he leads them because they know and trust his voice. Then he told how on a previous tour, he had lost his audience while spinning his tail. They were all staring out the bus window at a guy chasing a flock of sheep, throwing rocks at them, and sicking a sheepdog on them. The guide said he stopped the bus, got out and ran into the field, yelling at the man for assaulting the sheep he was supposed to be protecting. Well, the sheep chaser was stunned for a moment, and then he finally realized what was going on. Man, you got it all wrong, he said. I'm not a shepherd. I'm a butcher. Well, there are some spiritual teachers who would like to cut us off from the rest of the flock and from our shepherd. But our good shepherd, Jesus, is too wise, too powerful, and too loving to let that happen. Grab your Bible and a notepad if you can. We're going to start in John chapter 10. Here's Pastor Steve. We're going through the study of John's gospel. We focused on three verses, which I'd like to focus on this morning and then move out into other areas concerning the security of the believer. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29, says this. Jesus speaking, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. Since these three verses 
deal with assurance and security that each believer has in the Lord Jesus Christ. It seemed to me to be a good time in the life of our church to take a, a breather from our study of John's Gospel in order to explore further the subject of eternal security, or you may know it by this expression, once saved, always saved. I like to call it safety for the sheep. I'd like to see the subject of safety for the sheep. Are we really safe? In John chapter 10, Jesus has said words that offer the greatest guarantee a sheep could ever have. And that is the guarantee that no sheep of his would ever, under any circumstances, perish. Now we have his word for it. There's nothing better than that than to have his word. And the reason one of his sheep will never perish, which means go to hell, the reason that, that none of his sheep ever perish has nothing to do with our strength, has nothing to do with our faithfulness, has nothing to do with our obedience, but rather because we are in Christ's hands and under his care, and we're in the Father's hands and we're under the Father's care. That's the reason why we're never going to perish. Not because of anything we do, but because of who he is and who the Father is and their character and their nature and their function in, in holding us. Now, by now, you ought to know from our study in John's Gospel that God compares us to literal sheep because we're very much like sheep. We're dumb, we can't take care of ourselves, we, uh, we need the guidance and protection of a good shepherd. Now recently I came across a, uh, an illustration about how much sheep really need a shepherd and I came across this illustration from Dr. J. Vernon McGee. He says this, years ago a Texas rancher told me about sheep. He said he had 2,000 sheep and someone had to be watching them all the time. If two little sheep go over the hill and get half a mile from the flock, they're lost. They cannot find their way back by themselves. The only way in the world they can be safe is for the shepherd to be there. If a wolf comes upon them, and if a wolf rather would come up and eat one of the little sheep, you'd think the other one would be smart enough to say, he ate my little brother, so I'll go back over the hill and join the flock. No. He doesn't know where to go. All he does is go back and run around and wait to be a dessert for the wolf. A sheep is stupid. Neither has a sheep any way to defend himself. A sheep can't even outrun his enemy. If a sheep is safe, it is not because the sheep is clever or smart. It's because he has a good shepherd. And the only reason we're safe, the only reason is because we have a good shepherd. In fact, we not only have a good shepherd, we have the good shepherd, none better. We have the best shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are some Christians who believe he's the good shepherd. They really believe that. But they don't understand the depth of his goodness because they don't realize and don't quite grasp that salvation is forever, that you can't lose it. And so while they believe he's the good shepherd, they don't realize that his goodness extends to protecting and keeping the sheep from ever going to hell. You see, they believe that a person can lose their salvation, and there are many Christians who do that. I would say the majority in, in Christendom, let's call it that way, believe that they can lose their salvation. Most of the major denominations believe that. Most in the charismatic movement believe that. They believe they can lose their salvation, and really, they cannot sing this hymn that we sang this morning. I don't know if you caught and the, the uh, last stanza of how firm a foundation, but if you believe you can lose your salvation, you cannot sing the fifth 
stanza that says, the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Now, if you believe that salvation can be lost, you cannot sing that in clear conscience because hell does attack a soul and Satan does attack a soul with all kinds of doubts and all kinds of, of uh, moments of despair. But thank God how firm a foundation we have because we're in the hands of the shepherd, the good shepherd, and of the father. Now, it might occur to you that uh, you, you read over this verse and you say, well, wait a minute, if this verse, if these three verses are so clear that no one will ever snatch us out of his hand, we'll never perish, then how come some people have problems with this? Well, why don't you just show them this passage and doesn't that settle it? You might wonder, well, those who believe you can lose your salvation, what do they do with this passage of scripture? Well, unfortunately, some, there's usually two ways of handling this passage of scripture. Both are wrong, but this is the way that people approach it. If they believe you can lose your salvation, you show them this passage of scripture. Some, when they come to this, must tamper with God's word. They must make this passage try to say something that Jesus never said. And here's how they do it. They usually add a little word to this passage, the word if, I-F, if. And, and so they have the passage read, reading this way. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and if they follow me, I give eternal life to them, or I will give eternal life to them. What they've done is add the word if. If my sheep follow me, then I will give eternal life to them. Now by adding the word if, not only do they, are they tampering with God's word, but they have totally distorted the very doctrine of salvation. They have distorted the very doctrine of the grace of God. They have made Jesus to say that salvation is by our works, following him. If we follow him close enough, then he'll give us eternal life. And that is absolutely false. That is absolutely heretical. No one gains eternal life by following him. It is a gift. And that's why Jesus said that I give them eternal life. He didn't say my sheep might follow me. We will follow him. You say, what if they don't follow him? Then they're not his sheep. Can you backslide something? Yes, that's possible. But somewhere along the line in your life, you will be following him. You may slip into backsliding. You may slip into sin. But if there has never been a following, you have never been saved. So they must tamper with the very doctrine of salvation, that salvation is by our following him and not by his grace, which is our inability to follow him. That's why we need grace, because we couldn't be saved by our own works. And we can't be saved by following him. In fact, we can follow him apart from the spirit of God indwelling us. That's why we need the very grace of God, undeserved favor. That's what grace is. Those who believe this, they've made salvation dependent upon obedience. And that's wrong. It's not dependent upon our obedience. It's his grace, his gift. Now, there are others who would say, yes, you're, you're right. You shouldn't add that word if there. And you shouldn't. That's tampering with God's word. It doesn't say if. But others say, well, uh, what we believe this is saying is that, yes, we'll, we'll go along with you and say no one can snatch us out of Christ's hands or the Father's hand. But they say, but it's possible for us to jump out by our own will. 
It's, and maybe you've heard that. I've heard that. It's No one can snatch us out. You're absolutely right. But it's possible if I want to, to jump out. That's wrong too. Why is that wrong? Well, let's, let's approach it this way. Just for the sake of, of discussion. It is possible, theoretically, for someone to jump out of his hand if two conditions existed. Two conditions must exist, or, or either one or the other. But one of these, or both of these, must exist in order for one of the sheep to jump out. Number one condition is that Christ must give one of his sheep the freedom or the liberty to jump out. He has to give us the freedom or the liberty to jump out. Now, is that true? Has the Lord Jesus Christ given one of his sheep the freedom or the liberty to jump out? No. He hasn't given anyone that freedom. He is the owner. We do as he says. And he says we'll never perish. And he does not give us the liberty. We are his sheep. We've been given to him by the Father. He's the owner. He does not grant the freedom to any of his sheep to jump out. And I'd like, to, like you to see this. John chapter 6, verse 39 says this. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he's given me, I lose nothing. And he's speaking of sheep now. He's speaking of, of people, of saved people. All that come to me, said in John 6, 37, I will in no way cast out. He's speaking of people who come to him for salvation. This is the will of, of my father. This isn't man's will. This is my father's will, that everyone, everyone, what does everyone mean? It means everyone who be, uh, beholds the Son. And be, all right, let's look at verse 39. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he's given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. In other words, he's not going to lose any. And that means that none can jump out. None can jump out. J.F. Strombeck in his book, Shall Never Perish, says this, God's hand is not an open hand. It's a hand that holds. When a father or a mother holds the hand of a small child to lead him safely through some place of real danger, that father or mother will not let that little hand go, even though the child might try to pull away. No, God does not grant the sheep the liberty to jump out of his hands. It would disgrace a human shepherd, a human shepherd to say that he allowed his sheep to stray away from him. How much more does it not disgrace the good shepherd to say that he allows his sheep to go away from him? Now let me illustrate it this way. It's a crude illustration, and you're going to hear all my dog stories. You know, you heard one last, last week, that little fluffy dog I had. Uh, but Michelle and I owned a dog for a few years. Some of you had the mispleasure of meeting her. And you would know what I meant, those of you who have never met her. She was a wild dog. She was a Norwegian elk hound. It looked like a wolf. Wild. She climbed up on everyone. She, she uh, I would say, she attacked them with love. She was unruly. Uh, we don't have her anymore in case you're thinking of visiting. But, uh, but this dog, uh, we decided this was a wild dog, and we would take this dog to obedience school. So there we were at obedience school, and uh, all these dogs, for the first few weeks, all the dogs were unruly, and then they began to catch on, except my dog. And um, I remember holding her in the leash, and this woman who was heading the class kept really rebuking me. She kept saying, get that elk hound under control. Get her under control. And this dog would try to drag me all over the place. All the other dogs are in a nice line, and, and this was weeks, and we, I think we failed. She failed obedience school. And, but one thing, that dog dragged me all over. That dog was unruly. She never did learn. Never did learn. No matter how far that dog dragged me, no matter how unruly she got, there's one thing I never did, and I never let go of the leash. 
I never, why? I was the owner. I didn't let, no matter how, that dog failed obedience school and everything, I still didn't let go. Now, I don't want to say that we're just like a dog, except to say the point is this. The Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how unruly you get, no matter if you fail obedience school, he will never let go. Never. Under any circumstances. Why? Because he is the owner and you are his responsibility. So, number one condition, he does not allow the sheep the freedom to jump out. There's another condition, too. Some say, ah, but the, the sheep have the power to jump out. Do the sheep really have the power to jump out? Do they really have the power to jump out? Let's look at verse 29 of John chapter 10. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. Now that all includes the sheep as well. Not just the people, other outside forces trying to snatch them out. He's greater than all. That includes the sheep. And he says, and no one's able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. First of all, the Father is more powerful than you. God does not give you the power to jump out. The Father is more powerful. Secondly, if you did have the power to jump out, and you did jump out, that would completely contradict the Lord Jesus' words that you shall never perish. And there can be no contradiction to his words. His words are truth. You do not have the power to frustrate the decrees of God. And also back in John 6, Jesus said, those who the Father gives to me, I'll keep them, I'll not lose them, I'll raise them up the last day. You cannot jump out. You don't have the power, nor do you have the liberty to jump out. And it isn't that people are trying to jump out. Anyone who wants to walk away from Christ never was one of his sheep to begin with. You don't want to walk away. You may have problems with the Lord. You may be disappointed by the Lord, which is always your problem, not really his. You may have struggles with the way the Lord is dealing with you, but under no circumstances would a true sheep ever really want to walk away from salvation. Never. You don't have the power, nor do you have the liberty, nor would you have the desire. Let me put it that way. Nor would you have the desire. Now, when Jesus said, in the context of this, when Jesus said his sheep will never perish, it explained the previous statement he had made two months earlier. Remember we said about, in John chapter 10, it's divided into two parts. One takes place in October, the Feast of Tabernacles. Then the other takes place in December, the Feast of Dedication or Hanukkah. He was making a statement that did explain something he said two months earlier. And what did he say two months earlier? Verse 11 of chapter 10. He said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now here's the key. It's because Jesus died for us that we can be sure of our salvation. To say that a sheep can perish is to say that the death of the good shepherd is ineffective. It's powerless. It's powerless to produce its intended results. And what are the intended results? The permanent salvation of the sheep. That's the intended results. Not just to make you feel good, not just to give you peace. I had someone say in my presence just, uh, just the other day, someone said, well, all religion does is give you peace. That's not what Jesus primarily came to do. He came to give you abundant, everlasting life, and that life continues forever. He didn't give you just salvation for a few years on earth. Salvation is forever. And that's why he died, to, to assure that. 
and to redeem us. Now, last week as we began our study of eternal security or safety for the sheep, we said that our approach to it would be four angles. So if you're taking notes, these are the four major points, at least at this point. We looked at the debate over eternal security. What's the real debate? And we'll review it quickly in a moment. Then we looked over, then we're about to look, and we will deal with it today, the dangers of not believing in eternal security, and then the defense of eternal security. Can we defend it? Yes, we defend it from the Word of God. And then, number four, the difficulties and the difficult passages associated with eternal security, like Hebrews 6, John chapter 15, things of, of that nature. All right, let's review quickly the debate over eternal security. What is the debate? Well, we said there were two surface issues, and then there was one root problem and real debate. The two surface issues are interpretation of certain specific verses that people say, yes, these verses teach that you can lose your salvation. That's only a surface matter. Yeah, really, we went over a number of verses that show that that uh, that is not teaching that uh, those uh, that doctrine. People misunderstand it. You must take it in its context. You must take it in its intended uh, interpretation. Number two, they said uh, we we said that people uh, often debate over this because they say if I believe I can lose my salvation, then I'll just live any way I want. Then what's the motivation then to to live a godly life? Well, it's certainly not fear. That is a surface issue. In fact, we said the only real motivation for godliness is security, not insecurity. Insecurity leads to instability. Security of the believer leads to godliness, and we, we obey because we love the Lord, not because we fear going to hell if we don't obey. But we said the real debate is over whether salvation is by God's grace or man's efforts. That, that's what it really boils down to. That's what it really boils down to. I'm saved by the grace of God and I'm kept by the grace of God. And if it were any other way, then it is not the grace of God. It is not the Lord cooperating with me. The Lord Jesus didn't come to help us get to heaven. He came to get us there. Because we can't make it on our own in any way. In fact, Romans 11:6 6 says this. But if it's by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. If you mix grace and works, you have works. It's as simple as that. If you don't believe that, then, then uh, there's a real problem because that's the debate over the grace of God. Harry Ironside for years was in the Salvation Army uh, before he joined the Plymouth Brethren. Harry Ironside had an instructor in Bible doctrine in the Salvation Army who said this. They, they don't believe salvation is secure, the Salvation Army. So, and, and the instructor said this. He said, Harry said, getting to heaven is like riding a bicycle. If you stop pumping, then you fall off. Now that's a quote. That's what many believe. You've got to keep pumping and keep pumping and keep pumping. And I've said along, uh, that over and over I've said this, that if salvation were dependent on me, I've lost it a long time ago. And you have too. About the second day after you were saved. All of us have lost. In fact, people say, well, you can sin away salvation. But they never say, how far do you have to sin? If salvation could be sinned away, then why doesn't the Bible say, if you've done this, you've sinned it away? In fact, as we've studied as a church, we've studied 1 Corinthians. There's no church that could get lower than the Corinthians. And yet, Paul called them saints. Said they would be, at, in chapter 15, they would, they would all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Spoke to them about the resurrection. Spoke to them about the Lord's Supper. Things that you only speak to believers about. If you, if you could sin and lose your salvation, then how far do you have to go? Who's to determine how far you have to go? Certainly not God. God's never said that. No, we don't have to keep pumping. 
don't have to keep pumping. Wow, what a thing to say to someone. You have to keep pedaling or you don't get to heaven. I have some dear friends who believe it is possible to lose or to surrender salvation. They're wonderful folks who dearly love the Lord and they're fully devoted to Him. They're very precious to me, but I don't think they have ever thought through the logical conclusions of what this part of their theology says. Nor have they carefully and impartially compared the crisp clarity of the verses showing our security with the ambiguity of those they rely on to support what they've been taught. We'll be examining many of those verses as we continue through this series of lessons on the safety of the sheep. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, and our Bible teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Perhaps you'd like to stop by some Sunday. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. Visit www.lakesidechapel to find out more. Since I have a little extra time today, I'd like to remind our visually impaired listeners about a special offer. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and want a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. We have our own website, too, versebyverseradio.org. It's the place